Air Max day has come and gone, and that begs the question, what is the best Air Max silhouette of all time? We'll get into that this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Fire Footwear. As always, this is your host, Matt Freights. You can call me the Iceman. You can call me Matty Ice. I do not care. I am just happy that you are here. I want to welcome back all the new listeners and old listeners alike. It is really great to have you, however it is that you came about this podcast, however it is that you have discovered us. It makes me feel good, and I'm so happy to have this community that is sneakers that I can kind of lean into. Admittedly, life can become difficult sometimes. We all have trials and tribulations in our life that sometimes it makes life feel like maybe it's not necessarily not worth living, but it certainly makes life feel very difficult and you can feel like the weight of the world is literally sitting on your shoulders. But it doesn't always have to be that way. And I find sneakers to be a common ground that a lot of us can relate to and sort of lean on in some of our tougher times. As I was talking with some listeners of the show, they talked about how sneakers is sort of that common element that can bring people together in their life, no matter where they are, whether it's at work, a gas station, or just kind of hanging out somewhere, you are going to find people that are part of the culture. Where I live outside of Washington, D.C., it's not quite like that for me. Whenever I hang out Alexandria, Virginia, I generally feel like I'm the only person wearing awesome sneakers. A lot of the high school kids in my neighborhood definitely wear sneakers. There definitely is a sneaker culture in the D.C. area, but I don't generally tend to feel it. And last week, we talked about morality and sneakers. And we asked ourselves, or I asked you, the listener, based off of the John Morant and Tom Sachs situations, whether we should be thinking a little bit more about how we spend our money. And it's an important question to ask because I think far too often we don't think about where our money goes. And while it is great to think about those things, we also can't control a lot of the things that these big companies do. The world is very much dominated by big business and big commerce, and we are, for lack of a better term, sort of a slave to it in a way. Think about Amazon, for instance. How many people listening to this podcast order something from Amazon almost practically every single day? And why do we? Because we can get those things so very easily instead of either one, having to go somewhere or two, having to wait for some company to ship it to us for a price and for a lot longer of a time period. So we go to Amazon to find things. I'm 100% guilty of that. I would be naive if I thought that Jeff Bezos was a great guy and I thought that Amazon was always on the up and up. I said it last week too. Nike is not always on the up and up. However, while it is a very important topic to talk about and while we do need to sometimes step away from the shoes in order to think about the realities of the world around us, Air Max month has come to an end by the time you are listening to this or is very, very close to ending by the time you are listening to this. And March 26th was Air Max Day. Nike has always had a fire release on Air Max Day whenever it is that they started doing Air Max Day or whenever it became a quote unquote thing. It hasn't always been that way. I would venture a guess that many OG sneakerheads don't really recognize Air Max Day as something that kind of makes a mark on their calendar because they have been rocking Air Maxes since a long time ago, since either the late 80s or maybe even the 90s. It really depends on how old you are. So just because Nike has made what I consider a very genius marketing ploy by making Air Max Day a thing, it doesn't mean that it hits with every single person. 
But there have been tons of Air Max releases over the years on Air Max Day that have definitely moved the needle. And at the beginning of the month, I talked about the history of the Air Max One, which debuted in 1987. It was also designed by Tinker Hatfield. Those are two things that maybe people didn't know today, or maybe people who are 100% new to this culture can look at an Air Max One and don't understand its place. But that visible air bubble changed everything in terms of aesthetic trajectory of Nike. It just did. And the Air Max name now has been used on so many sneakers since then. And it's kind of like what I talk about where whenever a company makes a hit on something, and it doesn't have to be sneakers, it can be any type of company, they try to oversaturate the market with it. I would venture a guess that sneakers is probably the most guilty commodity of that because the hype has been so high the last few years. And honestly, sneaker culture has grown to this place where it is so consuming. So many people are a part of it. And that's why you have so many different parts of the culture from your OG heads to your new heads to the people that are just sort of in it casually. And then there's the rep fam. There's so many different people that are a, a part of sneaker culture. However, the Air Max lineage is rife with classic silhouettes and it started with the Air Max One. And over time, there have been more futuristic silhouettes that have been released. If you go to the last few years, maybe even the last six or seven years, you're going to find a lot of very futuristic looking Air Maxes. I would say, though, and your mileage may vary on whether this opinion is correct or not, but if you're listening and you are somebody who is my age or a little bit above or maybe even a little bit below, 1987 to 1997 was the golden age of Air Max shoes. I think that if you're in my age bracket, you would agree with that because so many of the most classic Air Max silhouettes released for the first time during this time period. And let's name them off. The Air Max one, the very first one that happened in 1987. The Air Max 90 was the next one or the next big one that was in 1990. There were two other silhouettes that released between them, but the Air Max 90 has been cemented in terms of mainstay and longevity in sneaker culture. Then you have the Air Max 95. You don't see so many of those today, but obviously in 1995, it was a very, very futuristic looking shoe and it was innovative for a reason I will talk about. And there's no doubt that the Air Max 97 is one of the best silhouettes, not just Air Max silhouettes, but sneaker silhouettes specifically for Nike of all time. The Air Max One certainly changed the trajectory of Nike in terms of aesthetic look. That visible air bubble changed everything. And while Tinker Hatfield can be credited for saving Jordan brand, I would say at this point, this particular move in the Air Max One really set Nike off on a huge trajectory that changed everything. The Jordan 3 came right after that. The visible air bubble was a part of that. And that saved Jordan brand by keeping Michael Jordan at the company. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But the Air Max one really started a lot of things. And people were running in these, you have to remember. So from 1987 to 1997, you had all these classic silhouettes, at least what we know as classics today release. And this was part of exercise culture and the fitness culture that was happening in the 90s. People were running in these things. If you're a really young person, you may not remember this, but many of the silhouettes that we wear today, your Jordan 1s, Jordan 3s, 4s, all these Air Maxes we're talking about, hell, even Nike SB Dunks, they were actually utilized by the people they were intended for. The target audience was exercise culture of all of these Air Maxes. Yes, they were adopted by sneaker culture, and I'm sure there was a part of the community that was actually wearing them to look better than you, to look flyer than you, but a lot of people were wearing them and buying them because they had a function. But what happened was the air bubble, which changed everything with being visible with the Air Max One, started to become larger and larger. And as a byproduct became much more visible as the years went by. If you take the very first Air Max One 
and the very first Air Max 97 and put the 90 and the 95 in between them, you can see it right away. You can see that air bubble going from that traditional little bubble that we all know from all of the 80s silhouettes to the 90 having the same thing. The 95, you can kind of see it a little bit growing on the outsole and the 97 air bubble was basically the entirety of it. And from there, the air bubble could be as large or as small as Nike wanted it to be. But this became much more prevalent with these Air Max shoes and the Air Max 97 was really the start of the really big air bubble. Since 2007, Nike has released a new Air Max model every single year on Air Max Day, but there was a long time in which Nike did not do that. Again, from 1987 to 1997, it wasn't just those four models. There were a lot of others that happened that didn't hit with sneaker culture and haven't really been a mainstay, but it doesn't mean that they weren't great shoes and it doesn't mean that they don't have a place in this lineage. It just means that you're not seeing a lot of hype around them today. I would actually venture a guess you're not seeing a lot of hype around Air Maxes in general, but we will get to that. I think the last Air Max silhouette that really hit a home run or was innovative was the Vapor Max. Now, I will say this, I have never owned a pair of Vapor Max, but we talked about the Air Max 97 having that air bubble go throughout the entirety of the outsole. The Vapor Max took that on steroids. It's a very cool looking shoe. It looks like you are walking on a cloud. It kind of takes what the Nike Shock tried to do, but making it a little bit different. It wasn't trying to be a basketball shoe per se. Because it's an Air Max, I think it was intended for everyday use. It just doesn't have the kind of look that fits me in terms of what I could wear for everyday use. Could I wear that to do some cross training or whatever? I probably could, but honestly, the way that it is designed doesn't really feel to me like it's made for any type of real fitness. The larger the air bubble doesn't mean that it's not as stable, but the way that they design these shoes, the way that the air bubble is not encapsulated in a lot of rubber, the air bubble basically becomes the outsole. And you've seen a lot of that too with the Air Max 270s, the Air Max 720s. You see a lot of these air bubbles almost become inner tube-like. And all of this started because of this lineage with the Air Max. But I will say this, no matter what Nike has done in terms of trying to be innovative, whenever they take an old silhouette and try to make it much more futuristic, the classics always last. No new model, in my opinion, will ever be able to overtake the classics. And in my opinion, none of the new models, even if they struck lightning in a bottle for a very, very short amount of time, they never overcame the classics. The Air Max 1, the Air Max 90 will probably always be some of the most popular shoes, followed very closely by the 95. And I think the 97 may or may not be the most popular Air Max of all time. There is not a thing that Nike can do between now and the time that I die or the time that the earth ends that is going to make an Air Max futuristic wise that is going to be overtaken by these classics now. Maybe a lot of the people that are listening to this that are of my age, we're all going to die off at some point. So maybe a lot of sneaker culture will sort of fade away in terms of what we remember because we just age out of it. So maybe Nike is capable of doing that, but I just don't see it because I think it's very, very difficult. The thing about Air Maxes, though, is they are not on the hype train. And a lot of Nike silhouettes that have been classics for years and are just mainstay, they're so consistent. Air Force Ones, Air Maxes, things like that. They are never going to be hyped for some reason. It doesn't matter what Nike does. And think about it, though. If you think about the Air Force Ones that have come out, the Air Max Ones, the Air Max 97s, there have been some absolutely crisp and fire Air Maxes that have come out, especially the classics. They've been quality materials, quality craftsmanship, really good inspiration, just absolutely awesome shoes for people to have and buy. And yet somehow we can go in there and find them almost at outlets at this point. 
The Air Max 97 Silver Bullet, which is considered probably a top 5 97 of all time, that recently re-released, along with the Gold Bullets, which was the first release of the week that we did here, those are sitting on outlet shelves. You can still get them for retail or less. This is a travesty in sneaker culture. And while maybe I wasn't a part of the culture when these things first hit retail stores and people went crazy for them, I recognize the place that they have in the history. I've always talked about that and I think it's so important to continue to remind you, no matter where you are in your sneaker journey, remember where we came from. These shoes that are coming out weekend after weekend after weekend, they have inspiration from something that happened almost before I was born and before many of you were born. So it's important to understand that. And while maybe they aren't hype, they certainly have cemented Nike as the top footwear brand for the last 40 years. I mean, you go into any Nike store and you're gonna find some of these shoes. People are wearing them too. It's just that the loudest people in the room, the people who are buying all the Jordans, the people who are buying all the Dunks, those are not the people that are screaming at the rooftop that these shoes exist. But there is a large bell curve of sneaker culture, and this is my statistical background coming out, a lot of people in sneaker culture have these shoes as everyday shoes. And I would venture that they have a lot of super fire Air Maxes in their collection that maybe they don't wear every day, or maybe they do, and they rock them, and people don't look at them and say, oh, I know exactly what that is. Now, there are Air Maxes in which people do have a recognition factor with them, but I think for the most part, they have become just so consistently good that they're not hype. You don't see a lot of celebrities endorsing them. You don't see a lot of rappers designing them. They're just sort of out there and they're fire and they're great. And people are just not gravitating toward them. And that is really sad because again, they are a part of the culture. They are a part of the history. And we should be showing less disrespect to the Air Max and a little bit more respect on their name. But I also wanna see Nike give it that shine again. They tried to do it with Air Force Ones. Air Force Ones have a place in the culture. They always will. But I think that they have a certain place for a certain age group in sneaker culture. And I think young people are wearing white Air Force Ones, but you're not going to see a lot of people sell out on just your random general release Air Force One. And you're probably not going to see that for a while on any of these Air Maxes. What's it going to take? It's going to take somebody like Travis Scott wearing them or somebody super, super popular that moves the needle to have them and then design one and then boom, it'll be Air Max years the way that the Nike Dunk is. But I think for the Nike Dunk, when you've seen one GR Dunk, you've seen them all. And I think that that's very, very common with sneakers that we are just rinse and repeating. So while I wish that the Air Max would get its shine, I do want to highlight my top five Air Max models of all time. I'm not going to lie to you. This is very, very heavily set toward that 1987 to 1997 timeframe. But hey, it is what it is. Coming in at number five is the Air Max 270. Now, this is one of the futuristic models that I actually liked. I owned a pair of them. They were comfortable, but they just didn't really match my aesthetic. And there's a lot of sneakers like that. And when I say that, it means that while they're fire shoes, I love the way that they look. They were comfortable. They just didn't look good on my body. The way that my body is shaped, how big my calves are from being a marathon runner all those years back, they just didn't look good. So I had to get rid of them. While I was very sad to do that, I was able to give them to a good home and those folks were probably wearing them and feel good about them. But the Air Max 270, to me, they spoke to me, but they just didn't match my aesthetic once I got them on feet. And that's gonna happen from time to time. Number four, the Air Max 95. I will admit that the Air Max 95 is a shoe that I don't think that I can pull off. I don't own any in the collection. There have been a lot that have come across that I've been like, ooh, that looks really good. When it comes to shoes that have a very, very specific aesthetic, and I'm talking about the Air Max 95 looking very, very much like a 90 shoe, it doesn't always work for me. 
And it goes for Jordans and a lot of other silhouettes as well. There are some silhouettes and models that are just always going to stand the test of time. And the three shoes after this certainly do that for me. But 95 kind of doesn't do that. And I think that if you're of a certain age or you have a certain look to you or a certain way that you dress, you might be able to pull these off. They're very big. They're very bulky. And I think that on me, much like Air Force Ones, they would kind of look that way. But I recognize game, and I think there's a lot of awesome Air Max 95. So that's why they come in at number four. Number three, and this may be blasphemous, but it's the Air Max One. Listen, the original is always going to have a place on my Mount Rushmore in terms of Air Max models. And I do love a good Air Max One. It's just not necessarily the kind of shoe that looks great for me. The other two models that I will name look a little bit better. I am going to be going after those big bubble Air Max Ones. And I just want to say this too. There's a lot of hate for those. And while they're not going to move the needle and people probably are going to buy them, but they're not necessarily going to go ape over them. Listen, just because they're coming out with the big bubble and you don't like the way that it looks compared to the OG doesn't mean that it's not a fire shoe. Sometimes I think we get a little bit too caught up in these little details of these shoes that just really don't matter. It's an original sketch, an original tinker sketch. And while that isn't enough to necessarily make me want to pay resale for them, it's a fire shoe. A white and red OG looking Air Max one is always going to be fire. And that's why I think they're number three for me, because maybe they're not my favorite, but almost always they are fire. And there's a lot of fire colorways of them. At number two is the Air Max 90. Now, this is probably one of my dark horse sneakers in terms of sneakers that I don't own a lot of, but wish I did own a lot of. I did have the Air Max 90 off whites, which are a great shoe. I like them a lot. There's just something about the way that they are constructed. I'm talking about the 90s now that just look a little bit different than the Air Max 1. They do have a little bit of a retro look, but somehow when you put the right colors and materials on them, they do actually look very, very up to date and they stand the test of time. And I really want to have more of them and explore them in my collection. And I'm going to be looking into that for sure. The Air Max 90 Bacon is one of my favorite shoes of all time. I absolutely love that shoe. And it's one that I want to have in my collection. Even though the QC issues that we saw were making people hesitant to buy them, you can get them for almost retail at this point. And it's a shame to not have that in my collection. The number one Air Max silhouette for me is the Air Max 97. Ironically enough, the only 97 that I own right now is the Sean Watherspoon 97, which isn't really an official 97 because the outsole of it comes from the Air Max One. But I just love the 97 so much. There are so many great colorways and I'm gonna be exploring that in my collection very, very soon. There's a lot of colorways of the 97 that are either at outlets or you can get on Nike.com during their spring sale for a reduced price. I'm talking like a hundred bucks and they're totally worth it. It's a classic shoe. It looks like a 90 shoe but with the right aesthetic and materials, which they've been able to do a lot of different things with. Those Kaleidoscope 97s from, I don't know, like 2019. Oh my gosh, they go for like $1,000 now, but they were wonderfully designed, an amazing looking shoe. You can do a lot with it and it can still look like today's sneaker. It can stand the test of time. And that's why I love the 97. And that means it is time for one thing. And that sound means it is time for release of the week, where I'm going to highlight a release that has caught my eye. It won't always be hype. Sometimes it will. It'll just be something that has caught my eye that I want you, the listener, to know about. Something you should know about me is in my childhood and even up until my recent adulthood, I was a huge fan of baseball. And I was very, very lucky to grow up in an era that had some of the best players of all time. Some of my favorite players of all time, Brandy Johnson, Greg Maddox, Pedro Martinez, 
Those are the top three pitchers that I ever saw, and I will not be knocked down from that. But one of the greatest players of my era was Ken Griffey Jr. And he recently made headlines because he was a coach on the USA team during the World Baseball Classic, and a video went viral of him taking batting practice. The man still has it. He had one of the prettiest, if not the prettiest swing in the history of Major League Baseball. And speaking of Air Maxes, Griffey did have his own silhouette, the Nike Air Griffey Max 1. It's a really 90s looking silhouette. And right now we are bringing back a lot of those silhouettes. You talk about the Air Pennies, things like that. We're going back in a lot of these player edition sneakers and trying to get sneaker heads to buy them. And there's a release happening this week of the Nike Air Griffey Max 1 in the Reds colorway. He'll always be a Seattle Mariner to me. And whenever he went to the Reds, his body really gave up on him and he did not reach the heights that we all thought that he would. Still a Hall of Famer, still one of the best to ever do it, but he would have reached all-time potential by probably breaking Babe Ruth's record and who knows any other records. So I'm highlighting that shoe because it brings me back to childhood. He was recently in the news for still being able to do it. You watch that batting practice video, the man still has a pretty swing and he can still hit home runs in his 50s. The man is amazing. So if you have never heard of Ken Griffey Jr. or you're a big fan like me, check out that release because it is something that brings me back to my 90s childhood. So I ask you, what is your favorite Air Max silhouette of all time? I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to the show. Instagram at FireFootwearPod is the handle to do that. Send me a DM. Give us some likes. I would love to hear from you there. The show is on Facebook. FireFootwear, a sneaker podcast is what you want to search. Make sure to follow the show there. On Twitter, two handles at FireFootwearPod is the handle for the show. And at MattyIceFreights is the handle if you want to find me personally and yuck it up on Twitter. The YouTube channel, you can find the link for the channel in the show notes below. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify, do not forget to hit follow and rate. It means the world. If you have any questions or comments, the email address is firefootwearpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. What do you like about the show? What don't you like? Or just say, hey, sometimes it makes my day to just hear from a listener of the show that says, hey, man, doing great work. I love to hear from you. Do not forget to visit the Matty Ice Media Network website, mattyicemedia.com to support the other podcasts that we have. In addition to Fire Footwear, go there, follow them on whatever platform works for you, give them ratings, support them. We're trying to do good work here and we're just trying to make a lot of people happy. Thank you for tuning in this week. I always appreciate you taking the time out of your week to listen to the show. I hope that this finds you well. I hope that this finds you safe. And as always, this is Fire Footwear. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.